0: in the seventh seventeenth chap- chapter of the Gospel of John. We are not going into the eighteenth chapter tonight. We'll stay in the seventeenth chapter. Got through I was reading through the the last part of the text last Wednesday night and I just felt unsatisfied. And so, I believe that was from the Lord, okay? How many of y'all believe in divine discontentment? I do. I believe in that. So, he wanted to speak other things to us, and I'm glad I listened to the Lord, because I learned a lot more in preparing uh, what he wants us to see in this chapter, I learned a lot more, so... I trust it will be a blessing to you tonight for gathered to hear the word of the Lord. All right, John chapter seventeen, the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. Okay, verse one. These words state: Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, "Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee." Father, I thank you tonight for this seventeenth chapter of the Gospel according to Saint John. We ask Your blessing to be upon the reading of Your Word and also the exposition of it. God, speak in and through me tonight to this people. Let us prepare our hearts, God, to receive Your Word and to speak Your Word. In Jesus' name, receive all the glory and the honor and the praise tonight. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. The 17th chapter of the Gospel, according to St. John, is a crescendo of everything that has happened Before it. Okay. Everything Jesus said, everything that Jesus did is like music that's been played. And as you're going through up to the seventeenth chapter, you reach a crescendo. And crescendo is as you're playing music, it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. Until you get to the loudest point, which is called a crescendo. You understand that? Okay. So everything Jesus has been saying and everything that he's been doing, all the signs and all the sayings of Jesus in the Gospel of John are declaring that he is God. And when you get to the 17th chapter, it's a high point. So he brings everything that he's already done in the 16th chap- 16 chapters before it He brings it into the 17th chapter so that everything he said and everything he's done is in the 17th chapter. So it is a crescendo chapter. It is the highest point. It is the loudest point of everything that has preceded it and it embraces everything that has gone before it. That is how awesome this chapter is. It is the Holy of Holies in the Gospel of John. When you come to the 17th chapter, you are coming to the Holy of Holies in St. John's Gospel. It is an amazing thing. In fact, John Knox, uh, you're probably not familiar with John Knox, I'm not real familiar with John Knox, but he was uh, quite a preacher in his day. Before he died, he had his wife read the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John every day for the few weeks leading up to his death. And she was actually reading the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John as John Knox passed from this world. So it is a tremendous, tremendous prayer of Jesus Christ. It is a prayer that has 162 pronouns in it. Okay? It is the greatest prayer It's the longest prayer that we have record of of Jesus. We get to see in his heart. We get to see in his mind as he expresses himself in prayer. He's not preaching here. He is praying. And his disciples are hearing the Lord's prayer. Okay? Now, he taught his disciples how to pray. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, that prayer. And I'm not going to repeat it to you, but that is the disciples' prayer. Remember, they prayed, Father, forgive us in that prayer. Okay, so then it can't be the Lord's Prayer because the Lord never asked for forgiveness. So that prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, etc., is a disciple's prayer. You with me? So John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. This is a prayer that you and I cannot pray. And the disciple's prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, that prayer, is a prayer that he can't pray because he never sinned. You with me right here? Now we can pray for unity and we can pray for things like that, And I'm talking about all of this prayer. Only Jesus can pray this prayer because he is the great high priest in the chapter. So he's the only one that qualifies to be able to pray this kind of prayer. You with me so far? Okay. So it is the greatest prayer that has ever been prayed, ever. It's the greatest prayer that has ever fallen off the lips of man, of man or God. It is the Holy of Holies in the Gospel of John. And it is the greatest prayer that has ever been recorded in the world at any time. So let's look at it very carefully. Again, Jesus' words, these words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. First thing we talked about last week. He lifted up his eyes to heaven. He's reflecting on God. He's resting in God. Amen. And he's respecting God. He lifts his eyes to heaven. Why do we bow our heads when we pray? Why do we close our eyes when we pray? Jesus opened his eyes and he lifted his eyes to heaven. That doesn't mean... That every time we pray, we have to open our eyes and lift up our heads to heaven. But he did. When we pray, oftentimes we may lift our eyes to heaven and look up, you know. But most of the time when we pray, we bow our heads and we close our eyes. We bow our heads because it's a sign of submission to the Lord. We recognize his holiness. So we bow our head. We close our eyes. Because we are understanding that we are speaking to an invisible world. So we close our eyes in recognition of the fact that I'm now talking into an invisible world that I cannot see. So that's why you bow your head and that's why you close your eyes. But when Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven, he did it because he reverenced and respected and rested in the Father the eternal spirit of God. Now, of course, he is the father, but he's praying as a man. He's not praying as God. So he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. So the first part of the prayer, he's going to pray for himself as a man. As he's facing Calvary, as he's looking toward the cross, he's going to pray that the eternal spirit of God, the invisible spirit of God that is in him, will glorify Him or strengthen Him or support Him as He goes to the cross. Right. So He's praying as a man for God's glory or God's manifest power to be revealed in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. So when He says glorify Thy Son, are y'all with me? He's saying, I need Your power manifested In the cross, in my death, burial, and resurrection, Lord, he's praying for God's power to be manifested in his life. Okay, you you understand that so far? Praise the Lord. And that he would bring him out of death into glorification and ultimately set upon the throne. So he says, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. That's the ultimate reason why Jesus came into the world and died was that he might glorify the Father. And the way he glorified the Father is by his dying for you and I in order to save us. Okay? You understand that? So, secondarily, the reason why he died was to save us. But in dying to save us, He fulfilled the ultimate purpose of his death on the cross, and that was to glorify God in everything that he did. So he's asking here, look at it again, as he's praying, we're getting into the prayer now, he said the hour is come, that (laughs) clock that was set way back in eternity, okay, all the way back in eternity, that specific hour in eternity, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. So from eternity, that clock was set. He was slain from the foundation of the world. And so as time progressively passed in history, now it is the hour. It's time for that clock that was set in eternity to strike the hour For which he was born. And that is that he would die. So he talks about his hour. He said the hour is come. You with me? So he says the hour is come. Glorify thy Son. That thy Son also may glorify thee. And He's praying this way. Because he knows he's going to have to go to the cross. And he's going to have to die on that cross. So he knows that only through the cross. And by the cross. And out of the cross. Can glorification come. He knows that's the only way. That he can glorify the Father is if he goes to the cross and he dies for you and me. That's the only way he can glorify the Father, and that's the only way that he can be glorified is if he goes to the cross and dies on the cross. Amen? He knows that. So he's praying like this. Amen. Now look at verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to his many as thou hast given him. He knows the purpose of the cross then is to redeem mankind. That only by the cross can He give us eternal life. And He has power or He has authority over all flesh. When He goes to that cross, Amen, His authority is legitimate. It's not like authority in churches. You know, people fight to be in positions and and a lot of authority that's in the world today is illegitimate authority. But His authority is legitimate. His authority comes from God. The authority He has is over all flesh. He dies on that cross. Through that death on the cross and His resurrection, He'll be able to offer eternal life to humanity. You see that? So everything that He's saying right here, everything He's praying right now, is with the cross in mind. He knows He's fixing to go to the cross. You see what I'm trying to show you here. Right? He knows that through the cross, uh, eternal life will be provided to mankind. Look at verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So now He gives us revelation in His prayer, that the only way to know God is by knowing Him. And the only way to have eternal life is by knowing God. If you don't know God, if you don't know that Jesus is God, okay, with me? As Savior, you cannot be saved. Because He's the only true God that there is. And Jesus Christ is a manifestation of God Coming into the world to save you, y'all awake? Amen. Hey, watch verse three. This is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And the word "know" there doesn't mean that you have facts. The word "known" there is "ginosko," "ginosko," which means to have a relationship with Him. He's not talking about somebody who has a bunch of information. He's talking about somebody who has a relationship with God. And the only way you can have a relationship with God, amen, is if He dies on that cross to save us and bring us to God. So Jesus is the only way you can be saved and He's the only one that you can know as God because He brings God to you. If you don't know Jesus as God, you have no God. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, you have no salvation. Because He's the only God there is. And He's the only one that can provide salvation for you. And to have salvation or to have eternal life is to know the only true God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Because He is God. And He's the one who's brought salvation to mankind and eternal life. Now look, verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast gave me to do. And this is interesting as I pointed out last week. He is moving in and out of eternity as he's praying. Okay? So not limited to time. When he's praying, this is a high priestly prayer. So he moves in his prayer into eternal things. And he speaks as if he's already been to the cross resurrected from the dead And he speaks as if he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Are y'all with me today? As the high priest to the church, so he's he's operating as a high priest here. Praise God. Which is something that's ultimately fulfilled at the time of his resurrection and ascension. But he's moving in the Spirit. He's moving into eternal things as he's praying. And he's praying as a high priest. As one that's already been resurrected from the dead. Are y'all here? So even though in time. He's physically on the earth. As he's praying. He's moving into eternal things. Where it's already done. Where it's already finished. And because of that. He's praying like. He's already done. And he's on the throne. Okay. So he's going into the future. As he's praying. And now in verse 5, Oh, now, Father, oh, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And I explained that to you last re- week. Represents, number one, that he's God. Okay? Number two, in the mind of God. The plan was not just that Jesus would down on the cross, but that he would be resurrected and glorified in the mind of God. And if it's in the mind of God, it's already done. Number three, in eternity, it's already finished, okay? So he's speaking here, he's asking uh, in prayer that what was in the mind of God and what was in eternity, okay, as the Son would be fulfilled. But as God, He is glory. You understand? All right. Verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now this is where I want to start focusing tonight. I want to focus on what he just said right there. When he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men. He said, I have manifested thy name. I have revealed, I have showed to them your name. The name of God." And He doesn't just have the name of God, He is God. And the name of God is not just upon Him, the name of God is within Him. Does that make sense? Whoa, hello, listen. Because He is God. He is the I Am, that I Am. Now you have the name of God called upon you, but He is the name of God. And the name of God is not just on him. The name of God is in him or within him because he is God's. So when he says, I have manifest thy name, he's telling them something very powerful because he's letting them know what is the name? Yeah, I know. I'm, okay, well, what does it represent? Okay. The name is his character and his nature. So when he comes into the world, he reveals the name of God to man. Number one, he is that God. And he's declaring to man the name of God. Are y'all here? In the Old Testament, they knew his name as, we'll pronounce it this way, Yahweh. yod heh Bav heh I am that I am. That was his name. God is not his name. God is a designation. God is a designation of his deity. Okay, so God is not his name. In the Old Testament, his name was one name. He had one name in the Old Testament, and the name of God was Yahweh. That was his name. One name. He had many titles. Okay, y'all with me tonight? But he had one name. God had one name. And in the Old Testament, they knew His name, Yahweh, but they did not know Yahweh in this revelation that is now with them. And that is, Yahweh is become my salvation. Now salvation is linked to Yahweh. See, they didn't know that. Okay, I know I'm laying heavy stuff on you, but you got to listen if you're going to understand. In the Old Testament, then, God is not the name. It is who He is. He's the designation of His deity. So His name, one name, is Yahweh, and that name, Yahweh, was a, His covenant name. Look at your neighbor and tell him His covenant name was Yahweh. Yahweh also was His name of redemption. It was prophetic. The title of the message tonight, The High Priestly Prayer of Jesus Christ in Fulfilled Prophecy. That's the title of it, okay? So the the name Yahweh did speak in the Old Testament of His one name. It spoke of God being in covenant with people and it spoke of redemption prophetically. Now, when He comes into the world, His name is not going to be just Yahweh it's going to be Yeshua which means Yahweh salvation that name they did not know that he was going to come in that name you understand now they knew they knew the name Jehoshua which means Yahweh Savior Yeshua is the form of Yahshua. It means Yahweh has become my salvation. So when Jesus walked in the earth, He revealed to man the name of God with salvation connected to it. Okay? Yahweh was His covenant name. Yahweh was His redemptive name. Are y'all here? But now we have Yahweh coming in flesh and He's going to die for mankind and save mankind and His name will be Yeshua Jesus, amen. Yahashua in the Hebrew, which means Yahweh is become my salvation. Are y'all here? Got okay, you got to, you got, I'm going somewhere tonight. You need this, okay? Now, when you understand this, then in the Old Testament, they really did not understand God in his love. They really didn't understand God as Father. They saw God in his character and nature as a God of judgment and a God of wrath. Okay? Say praise the Lord. And uh, they were so afraid of God that they would not pronounce the name Yahweh. They would say, I don't I deny for them to say the name Yahweh brought fear and trembling upon them, because they believed Yahweh, the name Yahweh was ineffable, the ineffable name of God Yahweh ineffable means that it is too sacred to even speak the name. The name Yahweh was so holy to them that they said we can't pronounce the name. They were afraid to declare the name Yahweh. This is, God didn't tell them not to say His name. They said His name's too holy for us to speak. They said His name is ineffable. It's the te- Tetragrammaton. Are y'all with me right now? We can't speak that name so we'll just say Hashim, we'll just say Adonai, we'll just say the Lord, but we will not never say Yahweh because the name is too sacred. And so they went through life fearing and afraid of God. Uh, they saw Him as a God of wrath and a God of judgment. That was the character uh, that they understood about God in the Old Testament. They didn't understand he's a God of love. Even though the Old Testament said he was. They really didn't have a hold of that. That he's a God of mercy. That he's a God of grace. That he's a God of love. So they walked in fear. Not all of them, but most of the people in the nation. Walked in fear to the point they would never pronounce his one name Yahweh. You understand what I'm telling you? Because they were afraid of his judgment. Now. There were some, look it with me in Psalm 9, in verse 9. There were some that pronounced the name Yahweh in the Old Testament. David was one of them. David was unique. Uh, I will say above the people. There were many people who had revelation, but I don't think any of them had the revelation that David had in David's life. David had a revelation of the name of God. And David was not afraid to speak the name of God. The reason why David was not afraid to say the name of God is because David had a true understanding of the nature and character of God. The other people. They just saw God on one side. A God of wrath and a God of judgment. So don't say his name. But David was more than a king. David was a prophet. And he was also a priest. And David had a revelation. Of the name of God. That it was not he wasn't just a God of judgment and wrath but He was a God of mercy and loving kindness. Now watch what I'm about to tell you here right now, alright? It is important for us to know the name of God. Do You understand that? It is important for the name of God to be declared. But they were afraid because they only knew one side of the nature of God in the Old Testament. So 9 and 9 of Psalms. David said it this way. He said, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of what? Trouble. Now watch this. And they that know thy name uh, will put their trust in thee. They that know thy name shall put their trust in thee. What is he saying? To know the name of God. It's not just the, the, the ability to pronounce the name. He's saying to know the nature and character of God that's revealed in His name. If you know the nature and character of God that is revealed in His name, that is He's not just a God of judgment, but He is a God of refuge. See, David had a revelation of the name of God. He said, if you get this revelation of the name of God, he said, when you get that, you will put your trust in Him when you, are y'all with me? Watch this, know His name. So those that know His name will put their trust in Him They will recognize He's not just a God of judgment, but He is a God that you can flee to in a time of trouble and find protection. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I love you tonight, Jesus. Now listen to what He says. Verse 10, And they that know Thy name will put their trust in Thee. For Thou, Lord, it's all capitalized in your Bible in the English as Lord. But in the Hebrew it would be, alright, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee for thou Yahweh, yod val has not forsaken them that seek thee. So David in this psalm, is declaring the name of Yahweh, the one name of God in the Old Testament. And He's telling them, if you know His name, you will put your trust in Him because you know His character and you know His nature. He's a God of refuge that you can flee to. Now watch. Verse 10. And they that know Thy name will put their trust in Thee for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. you see that? How many of y'all believe the word of God today? One way to look at this is that the people that know the name of God, he's saying those people that really know his name, those are the people that are going to put their trust in him. Those people are the ones that are going to have confidence in Him. Amen? So on the other hand, the people that don't know His name or His nature or His character, those people will forsake the Lord. The reason why people leave the church of the living God Is because they don't know His character. They don't know His nature. Because if they knew His name, they knew His character, and they knew His name, they would never leave the church. Now listen to me carefully. The reason why they leave the church is because ultimately, they don't know God. They can say they know Him, But remember, to know Him is not just the gathering of information and facts. To know Him means you've got a relationship with Him. You know His character. And you know His nature that's been revealed to you by His name. And when you really know Him, you're going to put your trust in Him. If you don't know Him, you're not going to put your trust in Him. And eventually, you will forsake the Lord... Because you don't know Him. Are y'all here with me now? You can talk about how much you know the Lord and how much you love God. and uh, Yeah, time will tell if you really do know Him or not. If you really know His name or not. If you do, you will put your trust in Him. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give God praise in the house. Now, <clears throat> Look at Psalm 22. We of Now watch this. Are y'all with me? Psalm 22 and verse 22. David said it this way. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. Now, David is saying this, alright? Listen. He said, I will declare thy name to who? Or where? Unto my brethren. You get it? David is saying it. He said, I'm going to declare thy name to my brethren. So David was not afraid to stand up and to declare the name of God, Yahweh, to the congregation. He said, I'll declare that name. Hallelujah. Now watch. That's David. But ultimately, Psalm 22 and verse 22 is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the one that's speaking in this prophecy. And he says, I will declare, watch this, thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Now David didn't have a problem with declaring the name of God because he understood the nature and character of God. And also he did it by worship. So one way you declare the name of God is by your worship. If you you know who His name is, you know His nature and His character, you'll be a worshiper. You will be a praiser. And when you worship God, you are declaring the name of God in the house. His nature and His character. I can put my trust in Him. You can put your confidence in Him. I won't forsake the Lord because I really know the Lord. Alright? So David declared the name by worship. Are y'all here? But Jesus literally fulfilled the prophecy when he said, I will declare thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all ye seed of Israel. Y'all get it? it's important that we understand who God is what is His name do you really know Him tonight you say yeah I know His name do you really know what His name means ok so the Old Testament was Yahweh but we have a new revelation of God salvation now has been linked to the name of Yahweh and David got a glimpse of that in the Old Testament he saw things That people before Him had not seen before. He was a prophet, a priest, and a king. And because He was a worshiper, God gave Him revelation. And He would stand up and He would declare the name of God. And those people, when they came to understand who God was, they'd put their trust in Him. And they'd start worshiping Him because they knew He was a covenant-keeping God. That He wasn't just a God of judgment and just a God of wrath, but He was a God who wanted to be in fellowship with man and wanted to be in cabinet with man and in a relationship with man. Whew, hallelujah to the Lamb. Now watch. Okay, I've got to keep you in the Old Testament for just a minute. Go to Isaiah 40. Hmm. Now, how many of y'all put your trust in the Lord because you know Him? You know His name.
1: <clears throat>
0: What's His name? Say it again. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. See, now for us, it's not just Yahweh. Yahweh's only a part of the name Jesus. See, he only had one name. God only has one name. But He added to His one name a dimension or an aspect called Salvation. And now that's Yeshua or Jesus. So now, when you say the name of Jesus, you are saying the highest name ever revealed to man. It is the name of God in salvation. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh of the Old Testament. The invisible Spirit of God lived in Him and He's come to bring salvation to man. Do you get it? Everybody say the name of Jesus. Jeez, say it again. Keep saying it. Just say it. Say it some more. Say it. Jesus. It's the supreme name of God. There is no name that is greater than the name of Jesus. I'm trying to get you to see that God had only one name in the Old Testament. He had many titles, many attributes but one name that was Yahweh but now salvation has been added to it and it's now Yeshua or Jesus he's the Lord come in flesh to save mankind say Jesus again Jesus. say it again Jesus. say it again Jesus. say it again Jesus. I will declare thy name
1: Jesus.
0: say it again devil tear that name the devils fear that name if you don't have the Holy Ghost if you don't have the Holy Ghost if you will sit there if you'll begin to speak the name of Jesus, Jesus 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 you realize that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost just saying the name of Jesus It's the greatest name of God that's ever been revealed to man. Are y'all here? Prayer is answered in the name of Jesus. Healing is in the name of Jesus. You get the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Now, you are the people of the name. Are y'all with me today? Those people who are in the earth tonight that are baptized in Jesus name are the people of the name you among all the people in the world because you're baptized in Jesus name you are among all the people of the world the people that know his name look at your neighbor and say I know his name it's the name of Jesus I'm called by his name in water baptism. You are the people of the name. Because you are the people of the name. You know the name of God
1: Himself.
0: You'll see there's people say in other churches that say, Well, yeah, we, we know we know his name is Jesus, but they really don't know his name. Not like those that have been called by the name. So, of all the people in all the churches, I can say one thing about you for sure, and that is you are indeed the people of the name because you have been baptized in the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus again. Glory to God. Demons tremble at His name. Healing is in His name. Victory is in His name. Salvation is in His name. The blood is in His name. And when He came into the world, He came and fulfilled the prophecy That says, I will declare thy name. Give God the praise in the midst of the congregation. Now look at Isaiah 40, please. Isaiah 40 and verse, let me get it for you. 43. Isaiah 43 and uh, verse 10. You ready? Look at what it says. Oh, are you glad tonight that you are the people of the name? Are you with me tonight? Now keep in mind, this is his high priestly prayer. Okay, here we go. 43 and 10. Prophecy. Ye are my witnesses, saith Yahweh, the Lord. And my servant, who's talking here? God. Or the Lord, right? Whose name is? Yeah, yeah. Old Testament though. Yahweh at that point, right? The covenant name of God and the redemptive name of God. Yahweh. So he says, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord or Yahweh. And my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Or I He. He is the I am. Do you get that? The I am. He's the one. Okay, Moses. backside of the desert. The burning bush. Moses said, who do I say is sending me? What's your name? And God in the burning bush, this voice comes out of the burning bush. And he says, tell them, Asher, 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 is sending you. And he goes, tell them, I am is sending you. Tell them, tell them, the invisible God, the eternal God, the one God, the I am God is sending you. Now watch. Listen carefully. It's powerful. Say I am. I am. I'm going to read verse 10 to you again. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me, there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. He's saying that there's only one God. He said, before me, there was no God. And he said, there's not going to be a God after me. Yahweh is saying, I am He. There's only one God. He is the eternal, invisible, supreme God of the Old Testament. There was no God before Him and there will be no God after Him. Say praise the Lord. Look at verse uh, 25. 43, 25. Now I'm trying to show you something here. Okay? I even, I am He that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. So He tells them that He is the I Am, the uh, eternal God, the one God, amen, but He says He's the one that blots out your what. transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins so there's a part of the name of God that is redemptive he said I will That's what I'm trying to tell you here, is that there were some people who weren't afraid of the name of God. Like David, they're going to be, hey, this is what, this is what you're going to find in the name of God. And if you know the name of God, his character and his nature, then you know you're going to put your trust in him. Hallelujah. You won't forsake the Lord because you know his name. Give God praise in the house. And so he's telling us in these passages, his name will be I am are Yahweh the eternal God and this eternal God is going to what blot out thy transgressions. Now go to Isaiah 52 and verse 6 Now watch what he says here. He love I know I know you know it all, but we're going over it again. praise the Lord I know. you're just jealous you can't do this hallelujah I'm thinking gloss
1: about right now.
0: Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Watch this, Isaiah 52 and verse 6. Therefore, my people shall know what? They shall know my name. When? When are they going to know his name? Therefore, they shall know in that day that I in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. He said, they're going to know my name when I come to the world. I, he said, I am. He said, they're going to know my name when I say to them, I what? Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know it in that day that I am He that does speak, behold, it is I. When he comes into the world and says, behold, it is I, that's going to be the phrase that will let them know he's revealing the name of God to them. And it's more than just Yahweh. Yahweh speaks of covenant. And it speaks prophetically of redemption. But they didn't know what his full name would be when he came. And when he said, it is I. Behold, it is I. When he said that. The name of Jesus is the name of God. It, the name of Yeshua is the name of God in redemption. He said, when I say, behold, it is His eye, you're going to know my name in that day. You haven't known it before. Uh, Whoa! give God praise in the house. Now, in the Gospel of John, he's going through Let's put it this way. He hits a chord here and he hits another chord. It gets louder. The the musical instrument is getting louder as he goes through. He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door. He said, I'm the good shepherd. He said, I am the resurrection and the light. He said, I am the way, the truth and the light. He said, I am the true vine. In the 15th chapter. So in the gospel of John. He's playing these notes. He's letting them know. I am is standing right here. The Lord who is light. Is right here. The Lord who is. Are y'all with me tonight? Give God praise. The Lord who is. Your bread. The Lord who is your light the lord who is the door the lord who is the good shepherd the lord are y'all with me now give god praise in this house the lord who is the way the lord who is the resurrection and the life the lord who is the true vine he's telling them look at me he said i'm the fulfillment of all of those images He said, I'm coming to tell you who I am is. And I am is right here. And you're looking at I am. He said, I'm the fulfillment of all of those images. And every one of those images that he said I am. Were all images of salvation for the people of God. Glory to God in the highest. And now in the 17th chapter boom he hits the crescendo it's the loudest note it's the highest point and he says I have manifested thy name already told him I have and every image that he alluded to was all the images of salvation that God would bring to his people and they were all resident in the God man oh hallelujah 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 now Watch this, he is going to show them in this John 17 that he's also the true high priest he's going to show them that he's the true temple he's going to show them that he's the fulfillment of all the feasts he's going to show them the name of God and the glory of God that is all connected to the temple and the priesthood and he's going to let them know you see it right here You don't need to go into any more temples anymore because I am the light of the world, John 10. So you don't need that temple over there. You come to me. I am the temple of the Lord. And you have this a uh, menorah that shining over on the temple and that's speaking of light but he said you're not going to need that anymore that was a type and shadow i am the light come to me if you want light so he's going to show them that he's the true high priest that he's the true temple he's the fulfillment of the feast he is the fulfillment hallelujah of god in flesh bringing salvation to man you're not going to need those types and shadows anymore And when John wrote his gospel, the temple had already been destroyed. So John says, look, here's the high priest and he's praying. He says he's revealed the name of God to man. Oh, hallelujah. Are y'all with me tonight? Give the Lord some praise, would you? Now watch. Watch what he's doing here. Okay. The name of God in the Old Testament was pronounced by the high priest on the day of atonement. Are y'all here? He's the one that pronounced the name Yahweh. When did it happen? On the day of atonement. What happened on the day of atonement? Beautiful. Sacrifices. Were made correct, okay. Sacrifices are made on the Day of Atonement. The high priest speaks the name of God on the Day of Atonement. That time is the only time it's ever is ever called out. Was off the lips of the high priest on the Day of Atonement. So his name is declared on the Day of Atonement. Now, like I said, David had a revelation of it. But I'm talking about the people were scared to death to use the name except the high priest on the Day of Atonement. So they'd go in the Holy of Holies and they would say, Yahweh, oh, the name of God, right? Because they thought he was inevitable. they, they oh, we, can, we can't pronounce it, but the high priest did, correct? So what's the high priest doing on the day of atonement? He's revealing the name of God. What's happening on the day of atonement? Sacrifices are being made on the day of atonement. Also, the high priest would pray for the well-being of the people on the day of atonement, lift your hands and give God praise their protection he would pray for protection over them and on the day of atonement also he would bless the people and watch what he would do look in Numbers chapter 6 are y'all with me so far Numbers chapter 6 Glory to God. <clears throat> Alright, number six, and we will start with verse 22. The Bible says, and the Lord's taken to Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, because Aaron is the great high priest. Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise you shall bless the the children of Israel, saying unto them, the Lord bless thee and what? What? Keep thee. thee. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord what? What's he saying? He's saying, okay, the protection of God on his covenant people. Right? You tell Aaron to say, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord what? Make his face shine upon thee. That's the glory of God. And be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee what? Peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Do you see it? So on the day of atonement, The high priest proclaimed the name of God. He prayed for blessings on the people. He prayed for their protection at that time. And when, listen, when he did that, pronouncing the name, he put the name on the covenant people. So that covenant community of people carried the name of God. In the Old Testament, the covenant people of God were called by the name of God. They had the name of God put upon them. And when the name of God was put upon them, all of His blessings and all of His protection came on them. So Jesus is trying to show them, right? I have revealed, I have manifested Thy name with you, with me. To who? That covenant people. And as we go through it, you're going to see He's going to pray for protection. He's going to pray that they be kept. Are you getting this? If you are, give the Lord praise. So that the covenant community always had the name of God called upon them. And when they had the name of God called upon him, they entered into his blessings and his protection, his keeping power. Are y'all with me? Give the Lord some praise in the house. <clears throat> so go back to 17, John 17 and verse 6. He said, I have manifested thy name unto the men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. So he is fulfilling the role of the high priest in declaring the name of God to the covenant community. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Say, praise the Lord. This is vital that you get this, okay? Now listen. He said, I manifested thy name. So that's an aspect that proves watch that he is the high priest. Now listen, not only the high priest but the temple. Because in the Old Testament the temple was where God put his name. Am I boring you? I can let you go home. No, I got a job to do to glorify God. The name of God Was put in the temple. And the high priest was connected to the temple. And also had the name of God on his turban. Exodus chapter 28 tells us. That there was a gold plate. That was put on his turban. That had holiness unto Yahweh. So when that high priest walked. On the day of atonement. They saw him wearing that Uh, mitre, uh, that gold-plated gold uh, uh, gold plate on the front of his turban with a, a cord holding it in place and it had the name of God on his forehead. And when they looked at him, they not only saw the name of God in his forehead, he's a carrier of the name of God. The temple had the name of God declared in it. But when they saw his garments Exodus 28 says they were called the garments of beauty and glory. The garments of beauty and glory was on the high priest with the name of God on the high priest and he was associated with a temple that had the name of God in it. And when they saw the high priest, they knew that's the only way to get to God is by him and through him. Are y'all with me? Give the Lord praise in the house. So now, he's fulfilling the Levitical priesthood, but he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is a king priest with the finished work. The emblems of the finished work, bread and wine to present to the church. But he still has to fulfill that priesthood of Aaron that carried the name of God, that blessed the people in the name of the Lord, that put the name of God upon the people and blessed them and, and prayed for protection on them. Are you all with me now? They do. The only way to get to God was by that temple and by that priest. No other way to get to God or to know God. Now what? So Jesus comes to the I manifest thy name. I'm the true temple. I manifest thy name. I'm the true high priest. He doesn't have the name upon him like the priest's name or the name of the Lord on the priest's mitre. He's got the name within him. Because he is the name. He is the Lord. He's not just called by the name of the Lord. He is the Lord. Give God praise in the house. And he's going to talk with me now. And the temple was to be consecrated. The temple was to be holy. Are y'all with me? If you understand what I'm saying, lift up the hands and praise the Lord. So in this passage you're going to see in John 17, the Lord talks about manifesting the name of God to them, to us. He's going to talk about glory like the high priest wore the garments of glory. Are y'all here? He's going to talk about sanctification or holiness, which is connected with the priesthood and the temple. He's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about protection for you, which is all connected to prophetic Promises in the Old Testament that's found in the priesthood and in the temple and in the feast of the Lord. And he's letting them know all of that is fulfilled in me. When he lifts up that prayer before God as a man. Oh, are you here tonight? It is a crescendo of all Old Testament prophecy in John 17 it is a crescendo of all that was said and done in the gospel of John leading up to it it is the highest point it is a place of holiness it's the Holy of Holies I brought you to the Holy of Holies tonight in the word of God now you're going to have to step in there I can't make you get in there I can bring you to the door, but you got to go in for yourself. Now, the name of God, Jesus, now in salvation, Yahweh in salvation. We are called by the name of the Lord, so we have his name upon us because we're a covenant people. You can't be in covenant if the name of Jesus is not, if you're not called by his name. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you're not in covenant. Because Old Testament or New Testament, everybody that was in the family of God and was in covenant was called by the name of the Lord. Are y'all awake tonight? Glory to God. Hallelujah. In that's chapter 34. The Bible says when God gave Moses the renewed set of tables, he broke the first set, the, the renewed set that Moses came down. I believe, you know, he prepared the table. Anyway, I'm getting all that. But the theophany of God that Moses saw in 34 of Exodus, God said, I'm going to explain my name. I'm going to show you in my name, my character and my nature. He said, let me show you, watch, go turn there. Turn there to Exodus 34, praise God. I know I'm moving fast, but you got to get it in the spirit. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love He's an awesome God. Woo, glory to God, man. I just got for a show. God is in this place. you here tonight? All right. You need to know. You need to know the presence of the Lord is in this place tonight. Now, in Exodus 34 and verse 4, here's what the Lord said He hewed out in, uh, two tables of stone, like unto the first, and Moses rose up in the earth early in the morning. He went up unto Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord is coming down and the Lord, when he comes down to Moses, is declaring the name of the Lord to Moses. The Lord is proclaiming his name to Moses. Now, how is he doing that? He's not just pronouncing his name. He's showing what the name means, his character and his nature. Now watch what he says. And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaim the Lord the Lord God look at that Yahweh the Yahweh God merciful and gracious merciful means loving kindness so in John 17 he's also going to talk about love Oh yeah, so if you want to understand the name of God is the character and nature of God that He's not just a God of wrath and judgment He's a God of mercy He's a God of loving kindness and He's gracious long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin And that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. And upon the children's children. And the third and the fourth generations. And Moses made haste. And bowed his head toward the earth. And worshipped. So now God has revealed his name to Moses. By showing that he's a God of mercy. And loving kindness. And a God of grace. And a God that will forget. But he's also, don't forget this, a God of judgment. He'll visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the third and the fourth generation. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God. Do you see it? Do you see it? Give the Lord praise in the house. Go to John 17. <coughs> God's showing them. The temple's destroyed. You don't need it. The feasts are fulfilled in Christ. He is the great high priest. He is the one that declared the name of God, salvation for you, and preservation, protection, keeping power, and His glory, are y'all with me now, is in you now. Do you receive the glory of God? When you received his name. You got his glory. When you became a child of God. You experienced his glory. When you got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he came to live inside of you. That's when you received his glory. Glory speaks of honor. I'm honored tonight. Because I'm his child. I'm honored tonight. I'm in the family of God. I'm honored tonight because I'm called by His name. I'm honored tonight because the Spirit of God dwells inside of me. I know something what? Something you're going to walk out of here and you won't even know what hits you. (laughs) No, God, give him a revelation. Now look at John. Are Are you all right out there? I'm glad God held me just a little bit longer in this chapter because He wanted you to know some things. Yeah. <coughs> so now, He said, I've manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. This is God's greatest gift to Jesus. You are God's gift, greatest gift to Jesus Christ. The church is God's greatest gift to Jesus Christ. And God's greatest gift to the church or to the world is Jesus Christ. So, are y'all with me now? Hey, manifest thy name unto the men. What is it again? Say it. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. I want you to say it, man.
1: Jesus. My goodness.
0: See, if you really knew his name, his nature, and his character. See, he didn't just have the name of God on him, it was within him because he was God who has become my salvation. If you know his name, you'll put your trust in him and you'll not. Listen to me, you won't forsake him. Now hold on to this, there's gonna, I'm I'm hanging ropes here tonight, alright? Praise the Lord. Now look, he said, I have manifested thy name, now you know the name of God. You are the people of the name and you know the name of God. They didn't know his name as Jesus. They got glimpses of it here and there in Joshua when he followed Moses, the law. They got glimpses of His name. Are y'all here right now? Yahashua. Joshua. Uh, here and there. Oh, there's, See, there's something in that right there. That's, that's powerful right there. But anyway, now they know His name. It's Yeshua, Jesus. Highest name that's ever been revealed to man. The highest name of God. The name that brings salvation and protection and healing to your life. Are y'all awake tonight? Mm -hmm. Does anybody care? Okay. Thou gavest them me, and they have kept what? They have kept thy word. Singular word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. They have kept... Thy word. They have been faithful to the word. They've been faithful to Jesus who is God. The word is not the son. The word is God. The word has existed forever. And he said they have kept thy word. They've been faithful to the God man. Jesus Christ. They've been faithful to the Logos. See, John 1, he talked about the word of God. Now, we're crescendoing here. Woo, my, 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 Woo, glory to God. What an awesome God he is. And he'll talk about words. You know, that's what he said was words. But the word here. Now, verse 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Hallelujah. Praise God. He doesn't take credit as the man or the son. He points to his godness. He points to that invisible spirit of Yahweh that was inside of him. Amen. Amen. Verse 8. For I have given unto them the words. You see it? The words now. That's what he said. Plural words, which thou gavest me. He didn't make up his own doctrine. This is the doctrine of God. He is the Word of God, and what He says is the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Now, what did they do with Him when He gave Him? Well, God gave Jesus to us, right? Gave Himself to us in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and now He's showing us He's given us, right? His words. They have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee, speaking as a man, and they have believed thou didst send me. He's talking as a man here, right? That he's come to fulfill the mission of God, to go to the cross, to die for them. He said the disciples know, all right, where I came from. I came from you, praise the Lord. And it's you that has sent me. Amen. Give the Lord praise in the house. So he's declaring to them, His divine origin, that He is God come in the flesh. And the mission that He's on is orchestrated and in control of God. He's doing everything according to God's timing. The hour, the moment, everything is happening at the right time, at the right moment. All right, are y'all with me so far? He's speaking as a man. Now what? He's playing as a man. Now listen, verse 9. I pray for them. Now He's going to shift. His focus of prayer is not going to be on himself as he's facing Calvary. Okay? He said what he's done for them, what he's done for you, what he's done for the church. Now, he starts praying for them as high priest. Now listen, he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. He says, I'm not praying for the cosmos. He's not praying for the unbeliever. He did more than pray for the world. He died for the world. But he's praying for those who will take him to the world. He's praying for his covenant family. You with me so far? He said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Praise the Lord. Speaking as a man, Verse 10, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in How is he glorified in them? The same way the Son glorified the Father, the eternal Spirit of God that was in him, by obedience. And his obedience was so perfect it took him all the way to the cross. Okay, you with me so far? So how do you glorify Him? By obedience. I'm going to tell the young people that are in the house. I'm going to tell all the children that are in the house that can understand me. You cannot honor your father without obeying him. I'm talking about your natural father. Whether he be a stepfather or a father by... Um, biological father. You cannot honor your father without obeying your father. Now, if he's an unbeliever, and you're married and you're an adult now, I'm not talking to the adults, I'm talking to the teenagers, I'm talking to the children. Whenever you disrespect your father or you disobey your father, you dishonor him. Don't ever forget it. The only way that you can honor your father or give glory to your father in the natural is by obeying what he tells you. The moment you rebel against him, you have dishonored your father. You have brought shame upon him. I know people that are so careful in their relationship with their father. Whatever he tells them to do, they never back off. Never. Because they have a revelation that if they backtalk their father they are bringing reproach and shame upon him. So I'm asking I'm just going to lay some practical application to you tonight. For those of you who have a father if you disrespect them and you disobey them then you have brought shame upon your father and a reproach upon him. So be careful before you ever say anything against him. Or do anything against him. Are y'all hearing me now? Children and young people. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give God praise in the house. Be careful that you never speak. In a derogatory way about God. About his church. Don't ever disrespect the church. Never do it. Because you will bring a reproach upon your father. You hear what I'm telling you? You've got to learn to walk more carefully. Some of y'all are too quick with your disrespect and too quick with your dishonor. You have to obey that Father. Give God praise in the house. So now, when Jesus as a man, the Son of God walked the earth, He honored or gave glory to the Father by His obedience to the Father. Now you and I as His disciples glorify Him by obeying his commands, if you don't keep his word, you are not bringing him glory. Say, praise the Lord. got quiet in here on that. My mother told me a story about my grandfather. That they were very careful in their respect toward toward my grandfather, their mother. And they were playing a joke on their dad, their dad, my grandfather. They pulled the chair out from underneath him, and he fell to the ground. And he said, and they said, as soon as they did that, it brought shame on them. They felt shame, they felt remorse just for playing a joke on their dad. They were very, very careful about the way they treated their father so that even when they were playing, it made them feel bad. We don't live in that generation now. My grandfather was not a hard man, but I'm just trying to illustrate respect to you tonight. You don't live in that generation anymore. Young people and children think they can disrespect and disobey their parents and still honor them. You can't do it. You better start getting real careful with the way you treat your father. Give God praise in the house. And then ultimately I'm talking about to the children and young people, I'm talking about your natural father. Amen. Goes into the church, but ultimately your father is God. You be very, very careful that you don't bring a reproach on the name of God by your life. If you do, if you mess up, just repent. Say, God forgive me, I messed up. I feel really bad about what I've done. Keep the right spirit. Okay, Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God will forgive you. Now, all right. Having said that. verse 10 and all mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them how? by obedience okay and now I am no more in the world but these are in the world so again now he speaks eternally into the future I'm no longer in the world now he's speaking like a high priest again He's, <laughs> amazing. but these are in the world and I've come to thee. the only way to get back and I say that, and, you know, in the might of God, it was already done, but I'm talking about physically, literally, it's for him to go through the cross. to God, he had to do that. He had to go to the cross. And then from that, then he has a man who will go back to, to the Father, right? Eternity into eternal realms, correct? Now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I've come to thee, Holy Father. Say, Holy Father. He's praying He's praying. He said, there's, they're in the cosmos, they're in the world. Right. He's praying he said holy father. Very unique. Holy Father. Say holy father. Holy the all-inspiring God and the God of love at the same time. The God of judgment, holy father, and the God of mercy at the same time. The God remote and the God near at the same time. Holy Father. Say Holy Father. Holy Father. God bless your heart. I, just, I have a feeling that what I'm preaching and teaching tonight. is not just going to be coming to you. It's going to bless somebody else in the future. Give the Lord praise for what he's going to do with his word. <laughs> and now I'm no more in the world. But these are in the world. And I am come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. Remember what that high priest prayed? They would put the name of God on, on the people, to cover the covenant people of God, right? Excuse mm-hmm. me? I'm sorry. May the Lord bless thee and protect thee or keep thee. What's he doing right here? He's revealed the name of God to them. And now he's asking that they be kept. He's acting as a high priest. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. Did you catch that? That they may be one as we are. He's praying for unity of the church not as a one world church system but unity as a church having the presence of His presence. Listen, Having His presence in their midst. That's the unity He's praying for. Like He and the Father are one He's praying that the church get a revelation That he's dwelling in the midst of them. That his presence is in the midst of you. Would you get Psalm 133, look. Look, watch. That when the corporate body comes together, there should be a unity of that body the same way there's a unity between the Father and the Son. That the presence of the Father is in the Son. And he's fulfilling the will of God. Okay, you with me? So for you, it's not just being one together, it's being one in Christ or one in the sense that He's dwelling in the midst of you. Do you have that revelation that He's in the midst of you? Okay, read. In what? Unity. He's praying for their unity here. Read it again. Catch the words. Listen. What's it like? Read. Who's? Aaron. He's saying. Now hold on a minute. He's saying. Jesus is praying what that prophecy. Uh, what that psalm is prophesying. What it is showing typically. This is called typical predictive prophecy. He's saying Aaron. When you come. And you stand before the people. You are a type of the corporate body that comes together individually but are one new man in Christ. So when they look at the high priest, they're looking at one man. That one man represents the body of Christ with the presence of God in it. Just like the presence of God was in the Son, the presence of God is in that one new man, the body of Christ, and we're in unity with Him, and we need a revelation that He's in the midst of us. When we gather together individually, we become one new man. And we have a relationship with God through our high priest, Jesus Christ. Read.
1: What's
0: it doing? What's it it teaching though? Unity, correct? Read okay. This, I want you to start that verse again. What's precious like the ointment that's pouring down the beard? Unity. Unity. Unity, correct. Read. Watch, look at this. That anointing and the dew of Hermon. The dew of Herman speaks of the blessings that are coming upon the people of God. Are you with me so far? Read. So, when he prays here for the unity of the church, he's taking you back to Psalm 133 and he's showing you what's going to happen when that church comes together in unity as the one new man. The presence of God will be in the midst of that group of people, that covenant people, the presence of God will be in the midst of them in their high priest. And Jesus is that high priest. So he's not, he's not just saying lay down all. He's not, he's not saying lay down your doctrines and let's all come together. He's speaking about unity just like he and the Father are one. God is in him. So when you come together, come together in understanding that you are in unity one with another and the presence of God is dwelling in the midst of you and the blessings of God are flowing to you. Amen. 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 Alright. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Alright. You got it. Okay. No. Verse 11. And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I have come to thee, Holy Father, keep them, keep through thy name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. You get it? Okay, hold your place on verse 10. Go to verse 23. He said, I in them, and thou in me. The temple was also the dwelling place of God's
1: presence.
0: And so he's telling them, Where the Father is, He's saying, He's dwelling in me. He's the temple of the Lord. And He's showing you, He's going to set up a new temple called the church. And in that temple, He's going to dwell in the midst of them. And you're going to be in unity. And you're going to recognize the presence of God is in the church. Just like the presence of God was in the body or the temple of Jesus Christ. He's telling them where the Father is. Dwelling in Him. But then he says, This oneness that he has with the Father, he's praying that that takes place within the church. Which means you have to get a revelation that God is in your midst. Give the Lord praise in the house. And the only way you can come to God is Jesus Christ. He's the only true God. Okay? This is where he's praying. Now, verse 12. Says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. See, He's already told them. Starting the thirteenth chapter, He's been talking about this coming age, the coming age of the Spirit, where He said, "I will dwell in them." He said, "I'm with you right now, but I will be in you." You with me? So He says, "All right, they're all concerned, all worried, because He's going away. He's going to die, but He says it's needed." It's necessary that I go away. He said, I'm gonna, if I go away, he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell in you, right? So now you're the new temple, correct? Amen. You understand what he's saying? Amen. So you are going to have the Spirit of God in the midst of you as the body of Christ. You're going to come together in the fellowship as one new man, even though you're individuals. And you're going to recognize the presence of God is in your midst. The Spirit of the Lord is in you individually and corporately. And then you will operate in this another sphere of protection. The other sphere of protection is His name. May the Lord bless and protect you. May the Lord's face radiate upon with joy because of you. May He be gracious to you. His favor and give You His peace and goes on and talks about the name of God being called upon you. so now, you understand what I'm saying? Your protection in the world is the name
1: of Jesus.
0: That you're going to not only be operating in the sphere of His Spirit, but you're going to be operating in the sphere of His name. And His name that you're carrying is going to protect you from the enemy that's in the world. Praise God. Because you have the name of God called upon you. Is saving you. is protecting you. You are moving in a sphere of His name. You get it. Do you see it? Through thy own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Look at that. thy name. Those that thou gavest me have kept and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He said, now Judas Iscariot is not with them at this time. So he's not praying for Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot is a traitor. Judas Iscariot is a betrayer. Judas Iscariot chose to leave the Lord. Yeah. And because he chose to leave the Lord. This, none of them is lost. Watch, None of them is lost. But who? The son of perdition. Okay. He was with the twelve, but now he's lost. Who is he? None of them perisheth, but the son of perdition. None of them peri- is perishing or perished except the son of perishing. He makes a play on the word. He said none of them is lost or perishing except the son of perishing. He's now warning the covenant community. Do not forsake the Lord. But remember what I said. Those that know his name will put their trust in him. They will not forsake the Lord if they know his name. His nature and character. Judas Iscariot never called Jesus Lord. One time in his life. So he left the Lord. And as a result of that. He became the only one. Of the twelve. That perished. That was lost. So he was the. Son of perishing. The son of ruin. Because he chose to. Betray his Lord. And what, please listen, what John is trying to get across to this church that is being persecuted by Judaism. Don't be like Judas Iscariot and apostatize away from Jesus Christ. Even if they put you out of the synagogue, for your faith and belief in Jesus Christ, you better stay faithful to Jesus Christ to the end. If you don't, you will perish. Give God praise in the house. And he explains, he says, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Last days, there will be multitudes of people. The Bible tells us, first this long, as one of the signs before he returns is an apostasy, a great falling away from the church. There will be people like Judas Iscariot who will forsake Jesus Christ and betray him and become a traitor and they will perish. Give the Lord praise. Not for perishing, but for the truth. Okay. He said, "Heaven, that okay, the Scripture might be fulfilled, and now come, and now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I know they need to be kept. I know they need to be protected. <laughs> Psalm one twenty five. Jesus, I love you. They need protection because people like Judas Iscariot are going to try to bring disunity to the church. When Judas walked out from the light into the night, it disrupted that community. And he's telling them, he's praying that they would be one. But remember, there will be some like Judas that will disrupt the unity of the church. He's letting them know the devil going to try to come. And attack the church. And scatter the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd that gathers the sheep. John 10. But there's a thief that's going to try to come in the church. And he's going to try to scatter them. And disrupt the unity that's in the church. So He talks about the unity of the church. He tells the church, there's one who tried to disrupt the unity of the body, Judas. And that's the way the world operates. The world comes into the church to disrupt its unity. And Judas Iscariot's in the church, disrupt the unity of the church. And Jesus said, I prayed that they be one as we are one. And I pray you would protect them from the attack of the enemy and from Judas Iscariot-like people. Jesus, hear, hear the word. Of God. Now look at Psalm. song. Okay? So we need His protection. We need to operate and understand that we move in the realm of His name. And He protects us. Because there are Judas's that come into the church that seek to break the unity of the body. Say, Pastor, are you talking to me? All you got to do is say, Jesus, I don't want to be that. And if you mean it from your heart tonight, it's as good as done. Don't play games. Verse 125, verse 1: They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. But abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people, from henceforth even forever. Amen. He said, just like those mountains, I to the mountains around Jerusalem. Like Mount Zion, Moriah. Herman, thanks, brother. Thank yeah, you got it. This guy knows how to preach. I mean that. And, and Zion and Moriah, Moriah, hallelujah, around Jerusalem. David said, I look at those mountains, it reminds me of God's protection. I look at those mighty fortresses, and it te- teaches me of God's protecting power. This world is not your friend, it is an enemy of Christ. We have his protection like the mountains. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So he's showing them what's going to try to disrupt the unity in the body of Christ. Amen. World and Judas Iscariot type individuals. Verse 13. And now come out to thee. And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilling themselves. You're going to need his joy. The enemy's against you. Persecution of the world. Yeah. Sons of perdition come in your midst to disrupt the unity of the body. So you're going to need his joy. said, But you got it. People have an idea about Jesus, and it's a false idea that Jesus Christ was a Stoic. I wish I'd look up at me. I'm not, I know I'm not pretty, but I'm preaching the Word of God. And, and, and so they have this idea, they go to church and they become Stoics. I can't look like you, man. If I tried, I can't do it. You just fold your old arms and you're so pious, you can't crack a smile. That's not God. You're a stoic. You're trying to control your emotions. Jesus Christ was not a stoic. Jesus Christ expressed his joy. He was a, when you saw Jesus, he had joy on, he, he was filled with joy. He wasn't a stoic. He said, the joy, the joy that, you know, the Father's given him said, that's what I want them to have. I want them to walk in joy. All oh, you stoics, you need to pray through you don't even know god you don't know his name you don't know his nature his character or you wouldn't go through life being a stoic never expressing joy because you're godly are no, you stupid you don't
1: know god
0: you don't know god if you knew god didn't be so full of joy if people see the glory of god rating not radiating off for of you the glory of god on your face being communicated, joy unspeakable, and full of glory. They would see the light and the glory and the joy in you. I can look at some of your face and tell them you don't know God. You knew God, you'd have the glory of God on your face. You'd have the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. You try to paint Jesus Christ, the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages, you know. The dark Ages, Bloss, they started playing music. All music was in the minor key. They didn't know God. There's a bunch of religious devils in the church. Yellow Bokoshanda. Now get up there and play in the minor We can't go in the major key, you know, because that might make somebody happy. So we're going to play it like a funeral service. And we get into this liturgical chanting. They didn't know God. Because they had in their mind a Jesus that was a stoic. They didn't have joy. So they thought, well, we're going to have to be, when we come to church, going to have to be a funeral service. And they played like it was a funeral service. Their music. And they painted his pictures like he was a... You ever seen pictures painted in the dark ages of Jesus Christ? Painting him as a pathetic savior. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Give God praise in the house. And the more religious you got, you go out in that world, you don't want nobody to see the joy of the Lord on your face. You try to hide who you are. But you can the world, it's against you. You're a swan in a duck pond. <laughs> we talk about ducks tonight so again. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're a swan in a duck pond. You don't even know the nature that's in you. You're a swan in a duck pond. Like Hans Christian Andersen, he wrote a story about a, an ugly duckling. This swan in its early days swimming around in a duck pond. And all the ducks looked at the swan and persecuted the swan and made the swan feel bad. Didn't look like the duck in the pond. And in this little duck pond, limited space, this swan swam around. Until one day he got a revelation that he was a swan and not a duck. He had been persecuted by those ducks in that duck pond all those days. And then he decided, I'm a swan, I'm not a duck. Hallelujah. And he flapped his wings and he flew away to another land, a beautiful garden, with beautiful, sweet-smelling trees with limbs that bent down toward the, the canal. The canal went past those trees. That duck, in a new environment, in a new land, but it came to the understanding it was a swan, and not a duck. Let me tell you something, you're a swan in this world, and ducks in this world hate you because to them, you're an ugly duckling. But someday you're going to get a revelation of the nature that's in you and you're going to fly away into the paradise of God Almighty. Give God praise in the house. Where do you think these guys got those stories, man?
1: That's
0: the church of Jesus Christ sitting in the old duck pond without an understanding of who they are. I'm glad I'm a swan and not a duck. And I'm not talking to the duck tonight. I'm talking to the swan. Hallelujah. let <laughs> your neighbor say, you're a swan and not a duck.
1: Hallelujah.
0: You just don't know it. Fly, buddy, fly. Go ahead, Jared, fly, man. He's got his wings going there. Hallelujah. This is the way the world looks at you. The world looks at you as an ugly duckling because you don't fit in to their pond. And you're not supposed to fit into their pond because you're a swan. Jesus. He's praying that you be filled with joy. I mean, if Brother David can dance, I see now he's smiling even. That's a miracle of God Almighty. David Navarre can smile. He's your cousin, isn't he? So you don't have to go through life in this world like an ugly nothing. You can go through life to swan and have the joy of God in your life. And understand, he's protecting you. He's keeping you from the Judas Iscariots and from the world system. He knows where we are. See, he could have prayed, take him out of the world. Take him out of the duck pond. Someday he will. At the rapture of the church. But right now, his will is that you stay in the duck pond As swans and intrude into this world. Separation by intrusion. Separation by infiltration. He could have taken you out of the world, but he said, no. I said, I want to keep, I pray you keep them while they're in the world. Protect them while they're in the world. I'm good. Are you with me? He's going to keep you in the world. He's going to cause you to be separated by infiltration. Separation by infiltration. You're supposed to go out in that world and infiltrate this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not supposed to be some kind of monk sitting up on a pole 100 feet up in the air or in a cage somewhere. You're supposed to be infiltrating this world and be separated at the same time because you're his temple.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm almost done. I hope I'm not keeping anybody here. How I many you glad you're a swan? I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. Just protect them. Protect my covenant community from the evil one. From Judas Iscariot's from the world system. They're put right down in the middle. They're they're living where the enemy is. They're surrounded by the enemy. Is the world churchy or the church worldly? I don't want to act like a duck to you. If I'm a swan, I want to be a swan. You act like the world. Then you're acting like a duck in a duck pond, and you're a swan. Well, I can tell you, you're getting tired. You got better things to do. Aren't you glad he prayed for our protection? That we'd be kept. It. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Okay, now here we go. Sanctify them through. Thy truth, thy word is truth. Because they're the new temple of God. And the temple of God should be pure. And the temple of God should be holy. And you are that temple of God. But remember Jesus said in John chapter 2, He said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. It's a crescendo. But I want you to see something. He's going to talk about his own consecration. And then he's going to talk about your consecration. Because he is the true temple of God. He's set apart. And then he's going to talk about you as the temple of God being set apart. See? He's setting something brand new up. Sanctify them how? Through thy truth, thy word is truth. What was the name? What was the character and nature of God, truth and love, loving kindness was in His name. Amen? Amen? Sanctify them through Thy truth, set them apart. How many y'all are set apart? Yeah. You're set apart by the Word. Thy Word is truth. As Thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Amen? So to be set apart means you're going to be sent into the world. Right? And for their sakes, I, oh, I sanctify myself. So he talks about his own sanctification. So now, he's you know, again, he is the true temple. He is the one. He's sanctifying himself. How? How is he setting himself apart? As the sacrifice. He's going to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin, that is the way he's going to be set apart. He's going to fulfill the mission of God upon the cross and become the sacrifice himself, fulfilling that the sacrifice of the tabernacle. Okay, here we go. Boy, howdy, Lord! Oh, I'm going to pray for you, man. Some of you need some deep prayer. I would encourage you, okay. As I, I'm going to let you go in just a minute, but every one of you who don't have the victory, you need to find a place in prayer room. Because there's some stuff really eating at some of you. You better get the big tree quick. Better get it. How many believe your pastor has a little bit of discernment? Yeah. He is going to set apart himself as a sacrifice. Now, watch this. I want you to see something. Okay? I read a story about an orphan lamb. An orphan. I gotta be careful with the way I talk. Because I talk so fast. An orphan. Say an orphan. An orphan lamb. You know what an orphan is, right? It's parents, mom's dead. So oh, the, the ewe. <laughs> I have a hard time talking about ewes. The ew lamb, ewe lamb. E W E. How would you say it? How many? The ewe lamb of this little sheep lamb, the ewe, the mother (coughs) of this little lamb, died, and this little lamb became an orphan. And the shepherd saw another ewe lamb, another mother, that had lost its baby lamb in death. So the shepherd studied the situation and he said, I have a mother lamb, a mother that has lost its lamb and I have a lamb that's lost its mother and so I'll bring the lamb, the orphan, and I'll bring it to the mother that lost its baby and put them together. And the mother that lost its baby will take care of the lamb that lost its mother and so Run together, and when he did, what do you think happened? The mother lamb, the mother sheep, rejected the orphan. So the shepherd, in his wisdom, took and skinned the dead lamb and put its skin on the live lamb and brought the live lamb with the skin to the mother. And when the mother saw the fleece of her lamb upon that lamb, she accepted it, and she took care of it. And that's what Jesus, I'll just give you a story here, to illustrate Jesus is doing that for you. He became the sacrifice for you, the lamb which was slain from, the, from before the foundation of the world. And so now, instead of being rejected, Now you're accepted because of the shed blood or the death of the Lamb of God. And you've been clothed in His garments of salvation. You've been accepted by the Lord. You would have come up there any old way. You would have been rejected. But because of the death of the Lamb. Because He sanctified Himself. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the what? Truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So then he jumped. He, he prayed for himself at the beginning, then he prayed for his disciples, the eleven, and then he prayed for the future church, which is you. Neither pray for I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That's the one is he's talking about. That he would be in the midst of that church. Okay? They also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Okay, you with me? And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. What is that glory? his name. You're a part of his family. His spirits. That's how you receive his glory is when he's in the midst of the church. You are the new temple. I am them, thou and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me, so part of his name was truth. Okay, part of his name was mercy, loving kindness. Okay. I read again. I am them. I am them. Thou in me that they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that I have thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Amen. You're going to know God in a way they never got a hold of in the old testament. He's not just a God of judgment and wrath, he's a God of mercy, loving kindness. Isn't that beautiful? You're loved by God. And the greatest demonstration of that love is when He died on the cross. Oh righteous Father, now nah, he, he said, "Oh holy, father, holy Father." One place, and he says, "Oh righteous Father," very unique. He's saying, "You're a God of justice." Oh righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. The world doesn't know God. Can I tell you something, Church? Jesus Christ came into the world to save the world, to bring the cosmos to God, Him. And it's the responsibility of the church to take the revelation of the mighty God in Christ to the world. Did you catch that? That's the whole gospel of John, crescendoing in John 17. Is God, the invisible spirit of God, is coming in the form of a man to save the world. And the only way the world can be saved is through Him. You can't save the world by programs. And you can't, you can't make the world a better place. The only way the world can be made, a, the world can't be made a better place. The only way you can become better is by getting to him. It is not your responsibility as a church to go out there and try to make the world a better place. That's absolute foolishness. You can't make the world, system that's in opposition to God, a better place. Our job is not to make the world a better place. Our job is to bring the world to Jesus Christ. Our job is not to have all kinds of programs. Our job is to present the mighty God in Jesus Christ. To preach that and tell the world that only through Him can you be saved. And tell them how filthy they are until they come to Him. Sorry. Crescendo. Did you understand that? How I many people say, I'm trying to make the world a better place, you're you're gonna die. You're never you're never gonna accomplish it. Okay. It's only nine thirty. I think I've done okay. I give all credit and glory to him. Here we go. We're man. 23, I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Oh, the love of God. I mean, Jesus, the way he's praying, the way he's expressing his love for them, you know how much he loves you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Amen.
0: Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given me be with me where I am. Take them home. At some point you're going to be the swan that flies away. They may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which Thou hast given me. They see Him. You see Jesus Christ, God in flesh, sitting upon the throne, glorified. That this prayer will be answered. At at least that part of his prayer. Amen. Behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world, before the world ever existed. Before he ever existed as a man. In the mind of God, he was loved. Man, Christ Jesus. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. Have known that Thou hast sent me. You with me? I have declared unto them Thy name and will declare it, that the love wherewith Thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. He wants us to submit to that love. He wants us to. Recognize his presence in our midst and declare his truth and love to the world and be obedient to him and glorify him. He is our high priest and I thank God for all that he has done for us. I I brought my little Bible up here and I'll just do it for the sake of those who want it. I'll give you the ten I have and the seven requests once again. Are you glad tonight that you know? Are you glad you're called by his name?
1: Amen. Amen. You want
0: to get a glimpse of Jesus' high priestly ministry today? Yes. I want you to turn. I was going to go to John 17 and read the 10 I has and the seven requests real quick, the verses. But I need to read one verse to you because I need to show you his high priesthood. Hebrews 7. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Man, he's so good to me. I almost forgot this. In John 17, you're getting a glimpse of Jesus' high priestly role beyond Calvary and His resurrection and ascension. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore, He is able also to save them to the uttermost. Aren't you glad He's able to save you? It's a miracle that He's able to save me. I I think every, every, every morning, the angels are in, amazed, but Mark, that you're still saved. You know? <laughs> Not as hard for me to say, but missionary <laughs> say, Wherefore he is able. Wherefore he is able. There's his keeping power. He is able Also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's your great high priest right now. Read the book of Acts. The Lord in heaven and the Lord in the earth. In his body. And you've got the picture. Okay. Wherefore he is also able also to save them to the uttermost. He's able to save lost. And Mark. He's able. Jeremiah, he's able to save you to the uttermost. Yes. Jeremiah, God's got his hand on Jeremiah. I thank God for that. I'm not going to tell you things. Say he's able. As the last picture I'm going to give you, he ever liveth to make intercession for us, right? For them, for us. He's making intercession. Does that mean he's up there praying for you? No. The way he's making intercession for you as a high priest, he is the fulfillment of all the types and shadows, the temple, the high priesthood, the sacrifice. His blood is interceding on your behalf.
1: He's not bowing down
0: before the throne praying tonight. Is keeping power in his name his spirit the high priest exodus chapter twenty eight had a linen had an ephod a uh, garment beauty and glory garments beauty and glory he walks around at mitre on his head with the name of God gold plate Held by a court, and they looked at this beautiful ephod that he had on, garments of beauty and glory. And on the top of the shoulders, there were onyx stones on each shoulder of the high priest. And on those onyx stones, the twelve tribes of Israel were placed, so that when he walked into the presence of God, high, great high priest, the day of atonement, he was carrying the people, of God, the covenant community, on his shoulders, which speaks of strength and power. He's able to save them um to the uttermost strength and power. And then they looked, and on his breast, Brother Mike, there's a breastplate on that ephod. It had twelve stones, and each stone had one of the tribes of Israel engraved upon it, so that he carried them in the presence of God also upon his breast. He loves you, and he's got the power to save you. He's got you on his heart, and he's got you on his shoulders, and in him, You are carried right into the very presence of God. Into the Holy Holies, into his presence. And so that's what this is saying. So you see love and truth and being kept by his power. It's all laid in that high priestly prayer of Jesus. I close with that analogy for you. So look at 25 again. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth. And to make the intercession for them. So you got a glimpse of what he's doing right now. As God in flesh glorified Son of God upon the throne. In him you are there. And he's holding you. He's keeping you. He's loving you. You're set apart for his glory. Now go forth into the world. And fulfill the mission that he's called you to. And that mission is to continue the work that He began while He was on the earth. In John 17, He said in John 17, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast gavest me to do. To, which do I has. Verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. Verse 8, I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. Verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. In verse 14. I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. It hates you because of the word of God that you carry. Amen. I see another. Have I? Verse 18 As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Okay. The seven requests of Jesus 11 and 12, unity. 13 and 14, joy. 15 through 16, protection. 17 through 21, sanctification. 22 through 23, perfection. Verse 24, home. She would be taken home and also verse 24, the reward. And I gave them to you last week, but I want to give them to you again. That's the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. And by His grace next week, we'll preach the 18th chapter, and you will see in that chapter how the I am, when the world comes against Him, when He says, I am, they fall backwards to the ground. And you will see the high priest that's in the earth at that time in chapter 18. You will see that he's the fulfillment. He is the great I am, the eternal God coming flesh to save us and redeem our souls. He is the true high priest in contrast to Caiaphas. Father, we love you and I praise you tonight. I ask you to bless the church, bless this congregation. What you have prayed for us, Lord, we pray that it would become a reality. In each and every one of our lives, let us go forth, Lord, in your name, declaring to this world your truth and your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, now, I I don't want to be mean, and I'm not going to be mean, but I feel just as a pastor, I'm going to make a statement here. You have your problems, men, when you go out in the world, you work, you try to make things for your home. You have your problems, you have temptations. That you have to overcome. You come to church. Everybody here has to overcome. You women. You start getting into this time. um, Where your hormones are driving you bananas. Get in a prayer room. Until you get victory over yourself. Okay. Because if you don't. It's going to mess you up. Brother Edmonds. Stood in this pulpit. And declared to this church. And to the women of this house. You are not to give yourself an excuse for being crazy in that time of month. God bless your heart. I love you. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.